And we're starting a new study tonight on relationships. We're calling it relationship status. Right, so we got the first slide up there. It's complicated, y'all. Let's, let's leave that there for now, for just a minute. All right. So relationships, look, we're, we all have relationships. We all need relationships. We've been created to, to dwell and be with one another, right? It's God did not create Adam and say, all right, that's good, you know? He said actually that it was not good that Adam was alone, right? And so we're going we're gonna to get into this series, and we're going we're gonna to spend several weeks, however many it takes. Um, I haven't quite figured that part out yet. Um, so I don't know if I got to do a message on besties, the friend zone. It's all complicated, so that'll be every week, right? All right, so tonight, uh, on, on your sheet, you can see at the, the top it says, you know, the subtitle is Magnetic Personality. You know, and when you say something like that, you certainly think of Steve Roth, because his personality, I mean, just draws you to him, and, and you wanna, I at least want to be with Steve, because he's fun. I like the, the one-liners. It's just right up my alley. So, um, <clears throat> How many of you ever played with magnets when you were a kid? All right, who, who can tell me something about a magnet? They are cool. Why are they cool? Because they stick to refrigerators, and they hold up my kids' homework and, and grade scores and stuff. Yeah. Yes. All right, what else do we know about magnets? Dual polarity. There's a north side and a, a south side, right? And if you put the opposites together, what happens? Opposites attract, just like Jenny and I. We've, we've been attracted to one another, but somehow we think totally different. Relationships are really weird like that, right? So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. What if you put north against north, what happens? They repel. they repel, right? All right, so opposites attract, north and south. Um, you know, the, there's people that are like magnets, right? Not just Steve. All, all of us are kind of like that. You know, some, some of us attract people, and some of us push people away, right? And so, have, have you ever been just so irritated with somebody and, and just put off by their, their mannerisms, their attitude, their outlook, whatever, only for God to, a couple days later, say, hey, by the way, you know why that guy disgusts you? Because it's you. That was a mirror. I was trying to show you what you look like to other people. And the reason you shoved him away is because you're, you're both north. <laughs> and, and, and you didn't like seeing what you saw. Right? So, so people are like magnets in, in all kinds of different ways. All right, so sometimes, you know, we, we're attracted to people that, that are totally opposite, and we shouldn't be, right? We're, we're, we're totally attracted to somebody who's not following the Lord, and, and we want to we be with them, we want to be like them, we want to we make decisions like they're making, and, and we shouldn't be doing that, right? There's, there's relationships that, that pull us away from God. There's relationships that push us toward God. Right? Or pull us toward God. And, and so, man, we're, we're all a lot like magnets. We just got to figure out what relationships we should be investing in, what relationships we need to stay away from, how we can be the right type of magnet. All right, so I have it on your, 
your sheet this way, magnetic personalities. The, the people in your life have an incredible capacity to push and pull your heart. Right? People in your life have an incredible capacity, an incredible ability to push and pull your heart. And your heart affects your decisions. We, we saw that a bunch last year as we went through some different studies. Our heart is, is where we... It's, it's, it's where we see everything. It's, it's how we are affected by this whole world. And what our heart thinks and sees and feels is basically why we make the decisions we make. It's why we spend time with the people we spend time with. It's because of what we feel in our hearts. God said it's, it's not good for man to be alone. Obviously, the context of that story in Genesis is that, you know, man shouldn't be alone he needs a wife, but, but we need friendships, and we need relationships, and we need, you know, we need one another, and we'll see by the end of tonight that, man, it's, it's not just that relationship that this series is going to be about. It's not about finding the one that you're going to marry. It's about accountability. It's about, you know, who's, who's going to help you be the man or woman of God you, you need to be? Who can challenge you, right? The, the first, back to that first slide, can you go back to that? So we got friend zone, but we also got those who are just here for the fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> so that, this is going to be our logo for the series. And we're going to leave that, that blue bar on. It's complicated. So let's go ahead and uh, look at some verses. We're going to go through. I've got some verses on your sheet. Uh, we're just going to go through some, some Bible stories. The Bible is full of stories about relationships. It's all about people making good, bad, terrible, and everything in between decisions. And most of those decisions are because somebody else is affecting their life. Somebody's pushing them toward making a decision. Somebody's pulling them another direction. We impact each other's decisions. It's just the way it goes. We need each other, but... Man, sometimes we got to watch out for each other in, in, in multiple ways. So all through Scripture we see the effects. Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, 6 is on your sheet, says, when, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also under her husband with her, and he did eat. Why did Adam eat the fruit? Because his wife gave it to him. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, Craig was teaching a class I was in, and the reason, apparently, was because Adam didn't want their first fight to be about what she brought home for dinner. <laughs> so the pressure of that relationship, Adam made a terrible decision. Eve made a terrible decision, and she shared it with him. And he didn't want to disagree. He just went along with it. Cain and Abel... These were brothers. Genesis 4, verses 8 and 9. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. He killed him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's relationship with his brother involved an incredible amount of jealousy. He wanted the attention that, that God had given his brother. 
but he didn't do the right things that, that garnered that attention. And so this relationship, the jealousy within that relationship, led him to make a terrible decision. Reminds me of you know, Joseph and his 11 brothers who were jealous of their youngest brother, or, or second to youngest brother. Enoch was a guy that, it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, a guy that walked with God, and after he begat Methuselah 300 years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. This was an old man. It says Enoch walked with God. He had a relationship so close with God, it says that he was not, for God took him. This guy's relationship with God was so close that God said, look, I'm just going to take you home with me. You don't have to suffer and deal with those people anymore. You're done it. It was an awesome relationship. Jacob and Esau, you guys know the story of Jacob and Esau. They were twins. Jacob manipulates his brother. What a wonderful brother. <laughs> manipulates his brother and, and steals his birthright. He lies to his father. He steals the blessing that was supposed to be his brother's. Relationships are a mess. David and Jonathan, though, had an awesome relationship. This first Samuel 18.1 says that it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan put his life on the line for David several times. Right? He, he put his life in the way of his, his father was going to kill David several times, and Jonathan stepped in to rescue him. Uh, Matthew 27 is, is Judas and the Pharisees. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and, and went and hanged himself. He, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver to impress the Pharisees. Because of his relationship with these guys who he wanted to impress, he did the worst thing that we have documented. He betrayed Christ. You know, and that's, that's when he was arrested and taken to the cross. And when he said, look, I, I did the wrong thing, they said, we don't care. We didn't care about you in the first place. And then he went and hung himself. Right? And that, Imagine if he was like Peter, who also messed up really, really bad and repented and turned to Christ and said, will you forgive me? You know exactly what he would have gotten, right? He would have gotten forgiveness. But the relationships had him all messed up. Nicodemus was another one who was affected by the Pharisees. It says there was a, a ruler, or a man of the Jews, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, in John chapter 3. The same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So he, he understands who Christ is, but did you see when he came to see him? He came at nighttime. One of the rest of the guys that he was afraid would be hacked off at him for coming to talk to Jesus couldn't see him. Right? He was being secretive because he didn't want the Pharisees to know that, that he's talking to Jesus on his own. And, and obviously, this is just a very small sampling. This, the, the book is full 
of accounts of good and bad and everything in between relationships and, and, and how they affect our decisions. So let's go ahead and pray real quick, and we'll get into the, the points on your sheet. Um, at the end, we're going to have a little bit of discussion time, so I'm going to try to roll through this pretty quickly. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that um, you, know, you created us for relationships. It's, it is the most beautiful, wonderful thing about our lives is having other people in them. The memories, the, the fun times, the, the enjoyment that we get to have because of other people. Being alone, honestly, wouldn't be any fun. And, and we're thankful that you've put people in our lives, uh, but we need to make decisions. We need to make right decisions. So help us to discern um, who's, who's there to help us and, and how we can be there to help others. Uh, Lord, we ask you to guide us with your word and, and teach us something new tonight. We, we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the first point is there's a negative pull of bad relationships. If we're talking magnetic relationships... There's a negative pull of bad relationships. <clears throat> and one of those could be our own family. The, the first point underneath of that is father factor. And if you have a bad relationship with your parents, specifically your dad, you'll, you'll have a distorted view of who God is. Right? So the father factor gives you a distorted view on your sheet. Matthew 6, verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? The, the disciples came to Jesus. They said, how should we pray? And he said, well, this is, this is how you pray. You start off by saying, our Father, well, not, not our earthly Father, our Father, which art in heaven. He's letting us know something. Our fathers on earth are supposed to be painting a picture of the one that's in heaven. The one on earth is supposed to point you to what the one in heaven is kind of like. Yes, we're not perfect we fall short, but, but we ought to be able to look at our dads and see the Father in heaven. We ought to understand how he loves us. We ought to understand a bunch of things about God, but is that the reality that most of us know nowadays? Unfortunately, no. I mean, maybe you have an awesome dad, and that, that is great. Maybe you can look at your dad and say, man, I, I bet God loves me like my dad loves me. I grew up without a dad, so I don't have a picture. <laughs> it's, it's messed up, right? It's 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 distorted. Um, Ephesians 6, 4 says, specifically to fathers, it says, "Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. The relationship from a father to a child. Paul warns fathers to be careful in their interactions with their children. Why? Because God has no interest in provoking us to wrath. If we as fathers are, are doing things that, that just torment our children to the point to where they can't take it and they burst, right? That's not what God does. That's not how God functions with his children. Don't mess up the picture is what he's saying. Colossians 3.21 says the same thing or, or a similar thing. It says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. And we'll see that verse again in a, a minute. The next bullet point is pride. Right, so, so our families can distort our view if it's a negative outlook. Our pride can can get in the way. Sometimes we do things to get a reaction out of others, right? Our pride is, I want other people to think a certain way about me. I want other people, when they see me, to think, man, what an awesome guy, what a smart guy, what a whatever, right? What, whatever you want to put in there, whatever it is you want to feel when other people see you, that can be 
a very negative pull on your life. Matthew 6, verse 5 says, When thou prayest, this is Jesus talking, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Those are the fake people, right? You're putting one thing on display, but you're actually something else. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, they have their reward, right? Not a reward you want. Christ is saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't, don't do things to look spiritual. And, and he follows this up. He says, if you're going to pray to the Lord, go pray in private where nobody can see you, where it's just you and God. Right? Don't put on a show so everybody else thinks you're wonderful. The relig- religious people of Jesus' day constantly wanted people to be impressed with how much they knew and how spiritual they were and how they were, they were just perfect. They got it all figured out. That's nothing but pride. There's, there's another side to that same coin, though. And that's to where you just feel so sorry for yourself that you want somebody to come and tell you how wonderful you are. Right? I call that the, the Facebook factor. Right? Where you, you feel so, you just had a bad day, so you get on Facebook and you tell everybody how, how horrible you are, and 200 of your closest friends will get on there and encourage you in an instant. But when only 10 do... Man, you're just more discouraged, right? It's, it's the same coin. It's just pride. You want somebody to build you up and tell you how wonderful you are, which, man, that, that's great. It's great to have friends who love you and think highly about you. But if that's the only reason you have those friends, those 200 super close friends, that's pride, right? All right, worldly lies is the next and these are, these are things that pull us. These are relationships that pull us. Ephesians 2.2, 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of, a dis- of disobedience. The course of this world. This world wants you to make decisions, again, to, to impress this world. This world wants you to make decisions so that the rest of the people making those same decisions will agree with you. They don't really care. They just won't disagree with you. It's pressure. It's pressure to make decisions. James three fourteen and 15 says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. We saw this on Sunday. And these are, you know, these are our three enemies, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil do not want you to succeed, do not want you to follow the Lord. World is going to lie to you. 1 Kings 11.3, we learned all about Solomon last year. It says Solomon loved many strange women. And it didn't mean that they were weird. Some of them were probably weird. Strange women meant they were foreign Right, to his, his nation of Israel. They did not have the same belief system. They did not worship God. Right? They did not believe in, in God the creator. They had their own gods and their false gods. So they were, they were strange in that they were different in, in major negative ways. He says, together with the, the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, the Hittites, of nations concerning which the Lord said, unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn, your, turn away your heart after their gods. 
Right? So Solomon knew not to mess with these ladies of the world, but he went anyway. Solomon clave unto these in love, it says, and he had 700 wives. All right, so what? <laughs> 700 wives, princesses, is that me? And 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. The relationships that he chose in his life turned his heart away from God. It was worldly lies. He was promised, I'm sure, to be fulfilled in every fantasy and every way he could possibly imagine. But it took his heart from God. Bitterness is another one. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. What do you have to be bitter about? Relationships. <laughs> Somebody did something to you that demands justice, right? And justice doesn't happen, so I just get, I get bitter. And then it just starts affecting everybody and any, anything in my life. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. One person can do you wrong, and he says you're going to do all kinds of people wrong. You're going to mess a bunch of relationships up because you can't forgive. Fear is the next one. Anxiety. Numbers 13, 1 through 3. Moses sends out spies to the, to the promised land to see what it looks like and who's there and is it what God promised. And they come back and say, man, it's, it's better. It's better than God promised. If we look in verse 30, it says, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up, up, go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But there was some other men that went with him. It says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight, right? So they're, they're saying, this is too hard. We can't do it. I know God promised it, but this is not possible. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And they just start complaining and, and moaning, and they've lost all faith. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. Have you ever just looked at that word discouraged? And break that apart. Discouraged. You remove courage from your children. Fathers don't do that, that's what he's saying. You know what to remove courage is? It's to remove faith to remove confidence that God's gonna be there. Don't mess up my picture. Numbers 32 verse nine says, 
For when they had, or for when they went up under the valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. There was 12 spies sent in, two, back, two came back and said, look, this is what God promised. It's big, it's awesome. The, the bad guys are big, they're bad, but, but we got God on our side, let's go. He made a promise, let's go. The other 10 said, no way, we can't do it. They're too big, they're too strong. God didn't tell us the truth. They, did, they removed courage from the Israelites. They lacked faith. That's what fear is. It's a lack of faith. And that is why they ended up wandering for 40 years. That's the negative pull. So what is number two, the positive push? The positive push of healthy relationships. If we're gonna be a good magnet, <laughs> we wanna be on the good, the healthy side of relationships. We wanna be able to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. The father factor applies here too because not everybody has a bad dad. Not everybody has an absent dad. There is a proper view. There's not just a distorted view. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right? When I, when I look at my dad, when my kids look at me, I want them to see a dad who loves them, a dad who will correct them and admonish them and make sure that they know right from wrong and they know how to make decisions. But a dad who's there, right? I have the opportunity to correct that <laughs> for my kids. Now, again, I'm not perfect. <laughs> so it's going to be distorted somewhere. They're going to have to figure some things out somewhere. Hopefully not something major, but it's relationships. Uh, number two, or the second point there, honesty and truth. We have relationships that we can... We can push people toward honesty and truth or we can pull them or we can be pushed. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The faithful wounds of a friend are when, when your friend is, they care enough about you to be honest with you when you've done something you shouldn't have done. They say, hey man, what did you think was gonna happen out of that? Or they say, hey man, I know I know God's not okay with that. How are you okay with that? Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. A true friend is gonna tell you when sin is sin. They're gonna help you understand what you're doing is not okay with God. And they're gonna help you see that that's, your sin is being deceitful. It's, it's fooling you. It's drawing you away from God. And notice it says, exhort one another. It's not just husbands and wives. It's not just boyfriends and girlfriends. This is the body of Christ. We have one another. We are supposed to be in relationships, encouraging and building up one another and holding each other accountable to what God says we ought to be accountable to. We ought to be walking with him. We ought to know what he says. We ought to agree with what he says. And, and when somebody points out that we've stepped out of line, we, we ought to say, okay, yeah, you're right. I did do that. Thank you for caring about me enough, right? It's a one another body. It's a one another existence. Comfort is your next bullet point. First Thessalonians 4, 18. Wherefore, comfort 
one another with these words. You ought to be able to have relationships to where when times really are tough, because tough times come, you ought to have relationships in your life where you can find comfort. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be for. Maturity is another one. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Edification, an edifice is a building. Right? To edify somebody is to build them up, to help them mature, to help them grow in Christ. It could be very similar to exhortation, holding them accountable to the truth. And then the last bullet point we have is 1 John 3.11, and that's love. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to see what love or charity is, it's all about sacrifice. It's all about doing what is best for another person. Right? It's all about making sure that, that they're cared for and, and, and you sacrifice to make sure of it. All right. So before we get into the questions, there's a couple more verses we'll wrap up here. Recognize that every relationship in your life is, is pushing you and pulling you to make decisions. How many, I mean, how many of you, it hasn't been that long since high school, how many of you ever made a, a bad decision because there was peer pressure, right? <laughs> Most, all of us, even if it was just the pressure to talk about somebody negatively, right? We've all done it. And then you get it to adulthood and you think that's going to go away, but it doesn't. And you go work in a real world facility and you think, man, this is, there's professionals all around and they're a bunch of gossipy teenagers, full-grown adults, and they do the same thing. And they make fun of you for how you dress and what you look like. And, and you want to make decisions based upon those relationships. You want to react. But you're trying to learn how to be the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And so that's what this, that's what this series is going to be about. How do I figure out who God wants me to be so that the other relationships that I'm in, I can be who God wants me to be with and for that person and those people? How can I be the magnet, the pole of the magnet that I need to be in all different relationships? Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We can be, we can provoke people, you know, to a fight. <laughs> you can provoke somebody on the road pretty easily, can't you? Just tailgate somebody. You'll provoke them really quick. God says you can provoke unto love and good works also. That's what we want to be right there. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, our relationships, the body of Christ, getting together as the church, as, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12, it says, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, or we beg you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that you study to be quiet and do your own business, right? That's relationship stuff too, and to work with your own hands as we command you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. 
them that are without are those that do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we're supposed to have relationships with them that pull them in as well, right? To, to help them see, look, I love the Lord. He loves me. Look what he's done for me. I can just be myself. I can be confident in who he's made me. I'd love for you to join me. I'd love for you to see my Lord and Savior as your own. Right, that's, that's the relationships we should have. All right, so now we're to the questions. If you guys want to break up into to groups, you can do four or five, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, you know, we can't really talk about relationships and then never spend time talking together. So here's, here's an opportunity. We'll do this, and then in about 15 minutes, if you have uh, a child over in childcare, you'll have to run over and get them. So go ahead and break up into your groups and, and go through those questions. <laughs>